In 1600s colonial America, belief in the supernatural was very common. Many people attributed failing crops, family illnesses, or death to witchcraft. For example, if the family's livestock had unexpectedly died, this might have been a sign that a witch had cursed their family. It was these beliefs that helped fuel the hysteria in Salem, Massachusetts in 1692. My name is Shauna, and this is the American English Podcast. My goal here is to teach you the English spoken in the United States. Through common expressions, pronunciation tips, and interesting cultural snippets or stories, I hope to keep this fun, useful, and interesting. Let's do it. Hey, everyone. How's it going? As you probably got from that introduction, we'll be talking about witches in today's lesson. And we'll also be talking about the expression to get the hang of it. So stay tuned. The audio in the beginning was taken from the YouTube channel Reading Through History. I'll provide the link within the transcript. Let's go ahead and start with a joke. What did the tie say to the hat? Any ideas? You go ahead. I'm going to hang around for a while. Haha. <laughs> All right. So once again, what did the tie say to the hat, right? As you know, a tie is what is tied around a man, usually a man's neck um, when they're wearing a suit. And what did he say to the hat? He said, you go ahead. I'm going to hang around for a while. So as you know, um, hang around means to spend time in a specific location, not doing much usually. He's also going to literally hang around, right? Because he's hanging. He's attached at the top and dangling or hanging at the bottom. So today's expression is to get the hang of it. To get the hang of something means to learn how to do something. Let's go through each individual word. To get has a variety of different meanings. I went through most of them during the expression episode number four, get over it. So check that out if you haven't heard that one yet. In the expression to get the hang of something, to get means to start to have. For example, I'm getting a fever means I'm starting to have a fever. The, the is a definitive article. Hang, hang has a few definitions. It can mean to be suspended at the top with the bottom dangling. So for example, a picture hangs on a wall. It can also mean to kill someone by tying a rope around their neck and removing the step or pedestal beneath them. Of is a preposition. To get the hang of something, usually that something is going to be the specific activity that we're referring to. So let's go through some examples of how to use the expression to get the hang of it so that you can get the hang of it. In other words, so that you can learn how to use it properly. Example number one. Last week, I finally decided to buy Photoshop. <laughs> Maybe some of you already know how to use that. So I could start making some images for the podcast website and the Instagram page I just started. My handle is American English Podcast, if you're interested. And anyway, the first few days of Photoshop were really rough. It felt like I wasn't making any progress at all. After spending countless hours watching tutorials on YouTube, I finally feel like I'm getting the hang of it. 
I feel like I'm finally learning how to use it. In other words, example number two. Last week, I was talking to my student Eladio, who moved from Chile to England a few years ago, and he said that、uh, the week before he had rented a car to go on a road trip, and that he needed to drive on the other side of the road. As you know, in England, traffic moves in the left lane, not the right. So, in response to that, I said, "Wow, that must be pretty difficult to get the hang of." In other words, it must be difficult to learn how to do that. To which he responded that he had gotten the hang of it more or less by the end of his trip. Okay, example number three. A few months ago, before I had my baby, I went to one of my prenatal visits and started having small talk with one of the receptionists at the front desk. I found out that she had been living in the United States for five years. She was from Mexico. And that's when I heard her make a mistake with the third conditional. Since then, I've been paying attention to all of my advanced students to see how many of them haven't got the hang of the third conditional. In other words, to see how many of them haven't learned how to use it or how to do it. Have you gotten the hang of the third conditional? Have you learned how to do it? If not, that's okay. In some of the future podcasts, I plan to do more episodes focused on grammar. If you're interested, hopefully, I can make it fun for you. Let's go ahead and do a listen and repeat exercise. We're going to use the expression to get the hang of it. Repeat after me. Two. To get. To get the. To get the hang. To get the hang of it. 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 Now the conjugation. Repeat after me. I got the hang of it. You got the hang of it. He got the hang of it. She got the hang of it. We got the hang of it. They got the hang of it. It got the hang of it. All right. So on to the fact of the day. So imagine if you lived in a city where everyone believed in witches. That was the case in Salem Village, Massachusetts, in the 1600s. The Massachusetts Bay Colony was one of the first colonies in the United States, and it was inhabited by Puritans, a religious group of people who believed that it was their job to purify the church by strictly following the Bible. One of their beliefs was that the devil took many forms, and that one of them was witches. They believed that witches could come and torment people, and that it was their job. The job of the good Puritans to get rid of witchcraft and these witches. This belief and a series of unfortunate events led to the witch hunts in 1692 and in 1693, which are commonly called the Salem Witch Trials. By the end of the trials, 19 people had been hanged to death publicly. One killed by having rocks stacked on his chest, and over 200 people were accused. They were incarcerated or sent to jail 
simply because they were accused of being involved in witchcraft. So, how did people begin to believe that their neighbors and friends were witches? First of all, talk of witches and witchcraft was not uncommon at the time. In fact, it was a crime that was punishable by death, written in their laws. As the story goes, the minister of Salem Village experienced the first case of witchcraft when his daughter Betty, who was nine years old, and his niece Abigail began having convulsions. This is when your body contorts, when your muscles or body parts move uncontrollably. Convulsions happen when people have epileptic seizures. But these girls also began throwing things and screaming uncontrollably. The doctor who arrived to check them out couldn't really explain why these things were happening to them. Nothing seemed to be wrong with their health. So he blamed it on witchcraft. His diagnosis was bewitchment. A month later, while in court, the judge pressured the young girls into telling him who the witches were that were causing this horrible torment. The young girls named three women in town, one being the servant of Betty's father, the minister. Her name was Tichiba. In pre-revolutionary America, you were guilty until proven innocent. In addition, if you were accused, you weren't allowed to have a lawyer. You simply had to go to court and convince people you were not a witch. When in court and under extreme pressure from judges, Tichiba confessed to the crime of being a witch. And in addition, she mentioned other witches in their community. Over the next few months, many women and men denied the accusations that they were witches, and many of them were hanged publicly. It soon became known that confessing and naming more witches was the only way to survive. Over time, more and more girls, teenagers, married women, and actually some males also, began having convulsions. So what happened? How can we explain these erratic body movements and behavior in these people? Well, there are actually a few different theories. Since the 1600s, we've learned that it might have something to do with the grain they harvested in Salem. It's called rye. Rye was the staple of their diet. And when humans or animals eat rye with the fungus ergot, it can have very adverse effects on the human body. It can affect the nervous system, cause contractions of specific parts of the body, and also cause hallucinations. One of ergot's main components is actually one of the main ingredients in the drug LSD. Maybe you know it as acid. So could it be that these people having contortions were drugged? <laughs> the next theory is that, well, nowadays people believe that these young girls were faking it because of the timing of the fits that they had. They would act possessed right when people came to visit them or in court, almost on cue. In other words, right at the moment when an accused witch was claiming his or her innocence or confessing. Other psychologists have blamed this on a mass psychogenic behavior where people tend to mimic the behaviors of one another. Others claim that it was just because the religion was so strong and that these deeply afflicted souls would be taken by the devil. And last but not least... Others believe that this was just a way for people to deal with their disputes. So up until 1692, when the witch hunt truly began, there had been a very clear division in society. Some people wanted a new church built with a different line of thinking. Others did not. 
Supporters of this new church often accuse the non-supporters of being witches. And in fact, 181 accusations were made by them. Anyway, so there's a lot of different possibilities of how and why this phenomenon happened. Many think that the witches in the Salem witch trials were burned, but actually all of the 19 were hanged to death. And the guilty were hanged publicly so everyone in the community could see it happening. And the death was slow and miserable. So they would be pushed off the ladder lightly so that the noose or the rope around their neck wouldn't break their neck. It would just leave them dangling or hanging. Very disturbing, right? So by mid-September of 1692, word had traveled to Boston, the big city. The events and judicial process were criticized by many. Why were they allowed to use spectral evidence in court? In other words, why could the sighting of ghosts be evidence in court? Shortly afterwards, no spectral evidence, or ghost evidence, (laughs) was allowed in Salem. They also asked, hmm, how come the individuals who blamed others of being witches were so rarely questioned in court? Shortly afterwards, the accusers started being questioned. After that, no more accusations were made, right? So everyone was afraid that they would be called up for blaming others of being witches. In the years that followed, a few girls admitted that they acted ignorantly. One girl, Margaret Jacobs, feeling guilty for causing the death of her own grandfather, confessed after the witch trials had finished that she had lied about her grandfather tormenting her or this spectral image, this ghost image of her grandfather tormenting her. 49 people were released from jail, and in 1703, most of the evidence was thrown out by the Massachusetts Bay Colony. The cruelty of the Salem witch trials goes down in American history. Most Americans know the story, and it is now a popular destination for people that are traveling to Massachusetts. So check it out if you ever go there. And uh, hope you enjoyed. And until next time, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the American English Podcast. Remember, it's my goal here to not only help you improve your listening comprehension, but to show you how to speak like someone from the States. If you want to receive the full transcript for this episode, or you just want to support this podcast, make sure to sign up to premium content on AmericanEnglishPodcast.com. Thanks and hope to see you soon.